0: Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Solutions Watch. I'm your host, James Corbett of CorbettReport.com, and you are tuned into the Solutions Watch podcast where week in and week out, I examine ways that you can change your life and change the world for the better. And this week, we're going to be examining the subject of sabotage. Now, being good students of 90s media programming, When I say the word sabotage, no doubt that one-chord masterpiece by the Beastie Boys will come to your mind. Seriously, check out the performance on Letterman. Pure energy. But also, perhaps more importantly, you will know the meaning, the etymology, the derivation of that word from Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country.
1: We're to report back at once. We cannot abandon Captain Kirk and Dr. McCoy. Of course not. Four hundred
2: years ago on the planet Earth, workers who felt their livelihood threatened by automation flung their wooden shoes called sabot into the machines to stop them. Hence the word
1: sabotage. We are experiencing technical malfunction. All backup systems in operation. Excellent.
3: I, I I mean, too bad.
0: There you go, folks. Straight from the mouth of Kim Cattrall herself, Lieutenant Valeris there. Uh, that's where sabotage comes from. Fl- flinging your sabot into the machinery to stop it from working. Right? Well, <laughs> I hate to burst your bubble, but once again, Hollywood has lied to you. Although, to be fair, that is probably the most oft-repeated story of where the word sabotage comes from, and it's more or less the sense of it is correct, even if it's not literally true. If you want the literally true definition, oh, stop being pedantic, James. You could go to Edom Online, where they do give, I think, what most people think of when they hear the word sabotage in a contextless way, they're going to think of the verb to ruin or disable deliberately and maliciously which was uh, first employed in English in 1912. But obviously related to the noun, which was first employed in English in 1907 from 1903 as a French word in English. Uh, malicious damaging or destruction destruction of an employer's property by workmen from the French sabotage, from sabote to sabotage, bungle, literally walk noisily from sabot, wooden shoe. So it's literally referring to the kind of awkward wooden shoe walk. Um, which was used in a variety of contexts in French. Um, but it, uh, so it says, in French and at first in English, the sense of deliberately maliciously destroying property was in reference to labor disputes, but the oft repeated story, as old as the record of the word in English, that the modern meaning derives from Stryker's supposed tactic of throwing shoes into machinery is not supported by the etymology. Likely it was not meant as a literal image. The word was used in French in a variety of bungling senses, such as to play a piece of music badly. But all that to the side, I think we do get the point of this. Deliberate and malicious destroying of property, or I think more to the point, malicious mischief, which is what Century Magazine referred to in November 1910 when they noted that in English, malicious mischief would appear to be the nearest explicit definition of sabotage, which is so much more expressive as to be likely of adoption into all languages spoken by nations suffering from this new force in industry and morals. And yes, malicious mischief, I think, is is the broader sense of this. It's not just destruction of property, although that could be one aspect of it. It can take many different forms. And when we start to think of that in the context of people who, in the course of their day-to-day lives, may have access to, to machinery or to processes or maybe in positions in which their actions can either hurt or help the public— Depending on whether they do their job as they're supposed to or as they should, morally and ethically speaking, well, sabotage can be quite a useful tool, can it not? And, well, we have a very recent case in point.
3: Vermont town employee quietly lowered the fluoride in water for years. We take this from National Propaganda Radio, residents of a small community in Vermont were blindsided last month by the news that one official in their water department quietly lowered the fluoride levels nearly four years ago, giving rise to worries about their children's dental health and transparent government and highlighting the enduring misinformation around water fluoridation. This guy's going to have his PayPal account taken away. Kendall Chamberlain, Richmond, Vermont's water and wastewater superintendent, told the Water and Sewer Commission in September that he reduced the fluoride level because of his concerns about changes to its sourcing and the recommended levels. He worries about the quality control in the fluoride used in U.S. drinking systems because it comes from China. That's why it's bad. An assertion that echoes unfounded reports about Chinese fluoride that have circulated online in recent years. Two of the three fluoride additives U.S. water systems can use do, in fact, come from China are admits because they have no domestic manufacturers because there's rules against you know producing all that garbage and off you know byproduct they come from china because they have no domestic manufacturers but are all don't worry they're all subject to stringent standards testing and certification you know like your pfizer carrot shots and stuff are oh whoops we didn't test them at all At a second meeting just this past Monday, the one at which Karen, the initial Karen that raised concerns about her wiener kid's teeth, who she admits, eat a ton of sugar. It's in the NPR article. Mm -hmm. Chamberlain this also hurts the story, who doesn't live in town and appeared online, read a statement of apology. Words cannot express how sorry I am for causing this controversy, he said, in which he follows up with this confusing statement. Believe me when I say I have always only had good intentions based on a misunderstanding. I promise I will make sure nothing like this ever happens again. James, there goes a sort of good news story ultimately gets turned into, I think, kind of a limited hangout attack on, hey, what do you know? Personal freedom, my body, my choice. There were people that used to run their mouths about this. James, how how kind of dumb is this story? Help us count the ways.
0: It, uh, it is dumb in a lot of ways. But, hey, I, I, I appreciate the idea of someone kind of taking it into their own hands in the sort of mid-level sort of role that most people don't even think about or know but can actually literally affect things like this, that there maybe there's a lesson there. In fact, there may be a Solutions Watch episode we could think about in uh, to take out of that. And here we are. So let's drill down on this story a little bit, because as I say, there are some interesting things to tease out of here, even though, as Pilato points out, there are some unlimited... Uh, Sorry, limited hangout uh nuggets embedded in here, and certain diversions, although I'm not exactly sure how much to take those at face value. so what do I mean by that? Let's drill down on the story itself a little bit, and let me preface all of this by saying, "I do not know this Kendall Chamberlain guy. I have no contact with him. I've never heard of him. I know nothing about his thinking or reasoning. Um, uh, All I know is what has been reported about what he said about this. So this isn't really about Kendall Chamberlain as an individual and what he individually did there in Vermont. But as I say, this opens the door on a much, much broader subject. So again, just drilling down on that AP article that we were reading from in that edition of New World next week, a town employee quietly lowered the fluoride in water for years, noting that uh, Kendall Chamberlain was quietly lowering fluoride levels in the uh, sleepy uh, town of Richmond, Vermont, um, for, well, started nearly four years ago. And, of course, then they get into the, the question of the, oh, won't someone think of the children, Katie Mother, oh, my my sugar-eating children suddenly have cal- cavities. What's going on? If only they had this magic, were drinking this magic fluoride to protect them from them, because that's what I've been told <laughs> how this works, which it is even scientists... Wouldn't say that's how it works. Anyway, um, how much fluoride is too much? This article goes on to question and says that in 2015, the U.S. government lowered its recommended amount in drinking water after some children got too much of it, causing white splotches on their teeth. That's what it was about, guys. It was about dental fluorosis. That's what that was about. Um, well, anyway, yes. In case you didn't know, uh, this what the CDC has put on as one of the great public health achievements of the 20th century. The fluoridation of the water supply, which, by the way, people in America, I know they only th- they think America is the world, but <laughs> they might want to contemplate the fact that there are vast swaths of the planet that do not fluoridate their water supply, so... Why is that? Even within the United States, as we will see shortly in this article, there are certain places that do and certain places that do not fluoridate the water supply. So the greatest public health achievement, no problems with it whatsoever, not only is not universally adopted, but in 2015, they're precisely dialed in. This is how much fluoride should be added to make sure the water levels have just the right amount was drastically lowered. And if you do, they do have a link here. And if you click through on that, you'll find this article on Feds Say It's Time to Cut Back on Fluoride in Drinking Water, um, in which they note that actually, yes, they they, at that time in 2015, they reduced the recommended uh, dosage because this is a dosage of what they are claiming to have, uh, essentially a medical product of medicinal value that they're giving out in this grand uncontrolled experiment to the entire population with no controls whatsoever. Everyone, pregnant women, children, seniors, everyone gets the same dosage. Well, actually gets a random dosage because it depends how much you drink, how long you spend in the shower, all of this. Just an insane public health experiment that's been going on for all the better part of a century now but uh they they lowered that from 0. 7, uh, from 1.2 milligrams uh per liter of water to 0. 0.7 milligrams and side note d- does the us use imperial uh, I, i'm sorry uh, metric uh, units now <laughs> 1 milligrams per liter do you do you guys even know what that means anyway <laughs> it's scientific so i guess they're using the real measurement systems um Uh, But it goes on to say that uh, even in this article, again, this is NPR linking to its own article from 2015 about this, which at the time they were pointing out opponents of fluoridation and even some scientists even some scientist guy, science says, so you got to listen, maintain the new standard doesn't go nearly far enough. They say there's evidence that overexposure to fluoride might increase the risk for other health, health issues, including possibly thyroid problems, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, and even lower IQs. And yes, it's not that they're just saying this randomly. There are many, many, many studies, peer-reviewed studies that point to this. Trust the science, guys, just not when the science says something we don't like, I guess. Anyway, they were talking about this in 2015. They even quoted Michael Connett of the Fluoride Action Network. In our view, it's time for the United States to start following the approach taken by most of the Western world and stop fluoridating its water. Again, trying to bring some of that context into this conversation. Um, But, this is neither here nor there for the purposes of today's Solutions Watch. I just want people to know that if they do want more information on this important topic, uh, I would suggest you type in fluoride and start exploring um, my archives on this, including multiple conversations with Dr. Paul Connett of the Fluoride Action Network and um, much else besides on this issue. Trust me, there's a lot of science behind this, but... Getting back to this original article about Kendall Chamberlain, uh, he was Richmond's water and wastewater superintendent, and he told the Water and Sewer Commission in September that he reduced the fluoride level because of his concerns about changes to its sourcing, that, oh, it's Chinese fluoride thing, but also, and the recommended levels. He doesn't think the state's recommended level of fluoride is warranted right now. All right, so he took it upon himself to lower the levels. And this didn't, again, this didn't just happen sort of just last week, and they just discovered, no, this has been going on for four years, and it's an issue that they were working with, with uh Kendall over this time. So um as they point out later, uh, again, putting in this context, 29 of the 465 public water systems in Vermont voluntarily fluoridate. So again, that should give people pause for thought. 29 of 465, I don't think I don't think that's the majority. Um, they, those 29 do account for the largest areas. They cover over half of the residents served by a public sy- system uh, uh, in Vermont. But at any rate, only 29 of the 465 do voluntarily fluoridate, which is an interesting um, asterisk to add there. Anyway, The state's former fluoride program manager, who retired in twenty nineteen, had tried working with Chamberlain and his team in Richmond, and things would improve for a while, but drop back down again. (laughs) And Miller said she didn't realize the town's fluoride number had been consistently low for so long until March this year. After a site visit by the state in April, the levels did not improve. So Miller contacted the Richmond town manager in June who requested uh, she attend the meeting in September, she said. So what seems to be taking place here? Again, I do not know the inside of this story, so I don't have any personal insight into this. But it it looks like they've been working for years and uh, coming and inspecting. And hey, these these levels aren't right. Oh, don't worry, guys. Sorry, I'll take care of that. Put it back up, and then it'll go back down again. And then they'll come back in. It sounded like this happened multiple times, and things would improve for a while, and then go back. Improve for a while, and then go back. Now. I don't know. Again, I do not know. I do not see into the hearts and minds of people like Kendrick Chamberlain. But that's exactly what a committed saboteur would do in this situation. To change the levels. And then when you get caught at it, oops, oh, sorry about that. I didn't. I don't know how that happened. Put it back. And then when they take their eyes off, put it down again. <laughs> and then do that over and over. Now, perhaps if, again, if Kendall Chamberlain was trying to do that type of sabotage to potentially protect the health of those children that Katie Mother, and others are crying about. Oh, how can we ever get fluoride into our children if they're not putting it in the water supply? Um, Again, you're not supposed to ingest the fluoride. That's not how it protects your teeth. It's just such stupidity. But anyway, all of that to the side. Yes, uh, it, it... yeah. So assuming that he was someone that was trying to protect the health of these people, then yes, this is exactly what you do. You'd lower it down. And then when you get caught at it, oops, okay, sorry. Boom, and then you'd lower it down again. Unless, of course, you can get the organized activity, the political activity to get a campaign going to make a, a change to the the town's rules or however that works at that town level, uh, uh, yeah, you could do the political campaign, or you could just do it yourself. If you have the literal control of how much is being added, you can do things like that. And perhaps the uh, the the downfall of someone like Kendall Chamberlain, again, if that was their intention, is to keep doing it over and over and over and over. You're going to get caught eventually. And when you get caught the second, third, fourth, fifth, 20th time with your hand in that cookie jar, they're going to eventually... Um, cotton on and basically remove you from that position so so that's again maybe there's better ways to strategize if your intention was to to apply a bit of sabotage if you find yourself in a position where you have direct control over something like that and oops i don't know how that happened the levels just kind of drifted down Um, so uh, what I want to do today is to expand, broaden this conversation about sabotage. Because again, I think a lot of people have that idea in their head, almost like a military sort of operation. You go in, you plant some explosives or something into some important piece of machinery and then get out of there and it'll blow up. Oh, it was, it was sabotage. Someone committed sabotage on the Nord Stream pipeline, for example. But that's not the only sense in which we can think of this term of sabotage, of blowing things up, of of explosive, violent property damage or something like that. No, there's all sorts of ways that people, especially workers, who tend to be the forgotten part of these grand equations of the would-be controllers of the world, the, the, the Davos elite who are going to control everything, Well, they don't control everyone who is who are the actual people implementing their system, which is, of course, one of the reasons why automation is coming. And don't worry, we'll, get, we'll, get, we'll just program these robots to tell them to, to do what we want them to do, assuming that you also have the control of the programmers. But there's another possible area for fruitful sabotage in the future. But as I say, there's many ways that this can happen, and it doesn't even have to happen from a deliberate action, like Kendall Chamberlain lowering the fluoride levels in Richmond, it could be the lack of action, an inaction. You're supposed to do this job, but you, you don't do it. It gets forgotten. You half-ass it. You, you go slow on when you should be going fast. You accidentally mix some things up and cause a bit of confusion. Oops, uh, you get caught. Oh, uh, uh, sorry, I'll do better. It could be a a, a, tr- a strategy. And in fact, it doesn't even have to necessarily be some sort of Planned, deliberate political strategy, it could be part of a larger societal movement which can have politically subversive consequences. For example, if this is starting to sound familiar, maybe you've heard of lying flat. If you don't know what lying flat is, then there's handy-dandy explainers all over, for example, South China Morning Post. What is lying flat and why are Chinese officials standing up to it? China's Gen Z and its youngest millennials are finding solace in lying flat amid a collective swell in antipathy toward working themselves to the bone. Lying flat, or Tang Ping in Chinese, means doing the bare minimum to get by, and the ethos poses a threat to President Xi Jinping's Chinese dream. And it goes on to explain that uh, for months the chatter surrounding lying flat or Tangping has permeated Chinese society, sowed discourse, and become ubiqu- ubiquitous enough to finally warrant a public condemnation by President Xi Jinping. Uh, it is necessary to prevent the stagnation of the social class, unblock the channels for upward social mobility, create opportunities for more people to become rich, and form an environment for improve- improvement in which everyone participates, avoiding involution and lying flat, she said in comments public, published on October 15th by the Communist Party's flagship journal on political theory, Qi Xi. His words address a trend that strikes at the very heart of his Chinese dream ideology, which he has described as the great rejuvenation of the Chinese nation. And it goes on to talk more in more detail about this phenomenon of lying flat that was catching on and trending on the Chinese social media until it was forcefully censored. Because, again, simply the idea of not giving your all, of not working extra, not doing, going that extra mile, not trying, just lying flat, can be an incredibly powerful tool of revolutionary change in a society. And the tyrants know it. They worry about this. They make sure that this sort of Horrible idea that you're not giving your all to the glorious state is stamped out of the population one way or another, or at least algorithmically censored and blocked so that people cannot even discuss it with each other, because that can be a truly powerful force for change. And if this sounds familiar, maybe because there is essentially now the Western equivalent of this lying flat phenomenon that's popped up in the past year that you probably have heard in the headlines a quiet quitting. What is quiet quitting, and is it a real trend? Um, So Investopedia, uh, it defines it as quiet quitting refers to doing the minimum requirements of one's job and putting in no more time, effort, or enthusiasm, enthusiasm than absolutely necessary. As such, it is something of a misnomer since the worker doesn't actually leave their position and continues to collect a salary. And then it goes on to talk about this in more detail and, and, and questions how real is this phenomenon. According to a Gallup survey of workers age 18 and older taken in June 2022, quiet quitters make up at least 50% of the U.S. workforce, probably more. Um, but then they go on to punk puncture the uh, that balloon. Oh, well, actually, uh, you know, if you look at their 2000 poll, the numbers are fairly the same. So it's not that this is, this, uh, the term uh, has taken off in part because it's not a new phenomenon, but it's um, describing it's describing the experience of burned out or bored workers who are simply desperate for a fresh vocabulary to describe their feelings. Well, I think okay, regardless of what the numbers are saying about how enthusiastic people are about their jobs, the fact that this term comes up is given a name and is uh, quite quickly enters into the common vernacular is itself indicative of something. There is a sort of wider social phenomenon going on here that, once again, I think is genuinely threatening, at least at the top, for the time being, until Musk gets his robot army of robot workers. It is genuinely threatening to the power structure that needs the average worker still to implement these grand dreams of constructing this grand society. You need the average person to be on board with that, because once again, Once again, this is another point. We keep coming back to this point and we will continue to come back to it. The power really is ours, collectively at any rate. We have enormous, we are the engine of this system as it careens forward into the brave new world that they're constructing from us. It is being careened forward on our power, our labor, our energy, our participation, our enthusiasm, our dedication of putting in our time and our money and our resources and our effort into constructing this grand prison, essentially, that is being constructed for the population. So what if, what if not even we all stand up and march in the streets and refuse to go to work? What if we just don't work so hard? (laughs) That in and of itself is such a threat that people in positions of power start to get very uneasy about it and try to squelch that out of the population. So that is one one possible way of sabotaging the system. It doesn't have to be pipe bombs or explosives or anything of that sort. It doesn't have to be violent in any way. It can simply be subversion, undermining a system by not participating or, oops, doing the wrong thing on the on a certain day. Where oh, uh, did I, did I lower those levels? Oops, I'll put them back. Don't worry. A uh, real change can occur in the real world. And again, something like what happened in Richmond, when it gets discovered and finally put an end to, then now I'm sure they're going to be reporting and testing and reporting on those levels every day. So it's back to where it was. But at least for a few years, that genuinely made a difference in people's lives, whether they understand what that difference was or not. It genuinely affected something in the real world. And if there's one Kendall Chamberlain or whoever out there doing that, sure, it means pretty much nothing. If there's a thousand, that starts to mean something. If there's a million, you start to have a real change to the fabric of society itself starting to occur. I, again, and we keep coming back to this point in Solutions Watch, and we'll hit it again today, if this is a consciously uh, consciously done Uh, Strategy, if it is employed for conscious reasons, knowing that we want to reach a certain goal and there are enough people who understand that and are working toward it actively, that is where it genuinely makes a difference. But as I'm at pains to stress in this edition of Solutions Watch, sabotage can have many different meanings. It can take many different forms and shapes. Even something like the lying flat or quiet quitting movement can be a form of sabotage. So given how broad this is, Wouldn't it be handy if someone came along with a guide to sabotage? Oh, wait, that guide exists. It's called Sedition, Subversion, and Sabotage Field Manual Number 1, A Three-Part Solution to the State. And you can see the visual uh, metaphor here. If you were watching the video version of this podcast, you have the uh, scorpion with its pinchers, the simple sabotage pincher, and the education, propaganda, and above-ground activism pincher, and then, of course, its tail, the ethics-based irregular warfare, as a three-part solution to the state, as it says. Um, But I will preface all of this by, of course, adding the disclaimer that this manual should always be referred to as a work of fiction, as a poor attempt at humor, as political satire, and as parody of the 1944 OSS publication Simple Sabotage Field Manual, not to be taken seriously. The distribution and contents of this manual should be controlled, and efforts should be made to keep it from falling into the hands of the immature, the authoritarian, or any other childish types that may not have the mental capacity to tolerate alternative viewpoints. Any representative of of authority who would try to use this work as evidence in a criminal case should be mocked and shamed for not being intelligent enough to get the joke this should not be difficult, since, as we all know, those who tend to be authoritarian are, are usually so self-absorbed with their own inflated ego that there is no room for their tiny sad soul for hum- in their tiny sad soul for humor. After all, who would seriously object to having wonderful overlords such as those provided to us by our benevolent governments and their crony su- superstructure? No one would ever actually want anything bad to happen to anyone in authority. We all love our political masters. So, of course, this is authoritarian. Uh, satire. That's all it is. It's just a joke. So if anyone wants to read this parody of a manual, of course the link will be in the show notes. And uh, as you can see, it is it is a lengthy. it is a true treatise here, hundred sixty six pages. There's a lot of information in here, and it covers the gamut of what you would expect from a field manual um, as a guide to sedition, subversion, and sabotage, including, of course, a definition of sabotage
2: 2.3 sabotage sabotage is a deliberate action aimed at weakening a polity or corporation through subversion, obstruction, disruption, or destruction sabotage can range from intentionally doing poorly at a job to creating a disruptive atmosphere among workers by questioning managers to actively destroying property the word sabotage has its roots in the practice of peasant workers shoving their shoes into the gears of factories. Sabotage can involve violent or nonviolent actions or speech. 2.3.1. Friend Saboteur. A fellow anarchist, abolitionist, voluntarist who embraces the zero-aggression principle and rejects all forms of coercive slavery while actively employing the methods of simple sabotage in resistance of the state and its actors.
0: It situates that definition of sabotage within the context of a grander stratagem of anarchist agitation that involves both above-ground activism and underground sabotage efforts.
4: Chapter 4, Section 3, Part 1 The Sabotage Pincer and the Above-Ground Pincer Hackers and friend saboteurs should work to agitate the state by seeking out weaknesses in its security, transportation, manufacturing, and communication infrastructures, then exploiting those weaknesses, if possible, to cause systematic failure or at least confusion. At the point of systematic failure, the hacker's and friend saboteur's work is done, and the above ground becomes the point of agitation by constantly advertising the failures of central planning and forced compliance while trumpeting the advantages of spontaneous order and peaceful voluntarism. This is the essence of the dual pincers of the scorpion. This type of agitation causes the state to overreact, and because of the nature of the state, that overreaction is always some kind of violent authoritarianism. As has been stated over and over, when you only have a hammer, every problem looks like a nail, And with the state, that means every problem becomes an opportunity for the state to pound someone. This violent overreaction by authoritarians presents the second opportunity for the above-ground activists to point out the evil nature of government and again advertise the advantages of spontaneous order and peaceful voluntarism. Therefore, if done correctly... Every successful action of the hackers and friend saboteurs pays off twice for the above ground in opportunities to bring shame on those who still support the state and in offering a moral solution.
0: And it offers some very specific instructions for turning everyday tools, items, and equipment that you may have access to yourself into potential tools of sabotage.
1: saboteur should be ingenious in using his everyday equipment. All sorts of tools will present themselves if he looks at his surroundings in a different light. For example, emery flakes have incredible utility to the saboteur, but at first it may seem unobtainable. However, if the saboteur were to pulverize an emery knife sharpener or emery wheel with a hammer, he would find himself with a plentiful supply. Added to a small hobby rock tumbler and set to tumble for a few days, and you have a highly effective powder that will destroy almost any moving part that has a bearing surface. Likewise, something like magnesium flakes may seem exotic. Yet, magnesium fire starter are readily available at camp supply stores and can be carefully filed to produce the highly flammable flakes. Please note... Do not attempt to use a motorized grinder or vibrator polisher on a magnesium fire starter unless you want to destroy your work area and set yourself on fire.
0: Well, you get the idea. But actually you don't, and I hesitate to simply put little clips like this out to the public and then to encourage you to go read it without knowing that most people will not go and read this in its full context. This complete work of parody, guys, it's just satire, don't take it seriously. But if you read the entire thing front to back and really uh, understand the the true context of what is being said here, I think that's probably the safest way to approach this. So I wouldn't take anything that I'm presenting here. There's so much more to what is being said here, and there is a lot of thought given to property damage and potential of actual acts of violence that will cause harm to people. And uh, do you want to participate in this? Most people do not and should not. And this uh, this book is very forceful about the, those types of things and what it's arguing and what it isn't. So you are responsible adult human beings, and I will treat you as such. Please go and read this entire field guide for yourself if you think this is something that you would be interested in. But one of the points that I want to really take away from this is that although you certainly could play up those more explosive aspects of what we're dealing with, or the incendiary aspects of a- sabotage, that is not the only definition of this. And I I, I guess I, I, what I personally believe, and everyone has to make their own personal ethical judgments, but personally for me, I do not think that property damage and acts of explosive violence or anything of that sort will ever provide any solution to what we are fundamentally facing here, because that, I think, ultimately does have the exact opposite effect of what is presumably, presumably being advocated by the saboteurs, although in such a space of people who would be willing to do violent acts, spectacular acts, it's undoubtedly infested with agents of the state, both witting, actual undercover agents of the state who are going in to agitate things in order to cause violence, in order to then turn the public against people doing those acts, which has been documented and done over and over and over again throughout history. You would be naive to not know that, Um, but also just the, the idiots who can be Or just people in poor, desperate situations who literally can't even afford to make rent, who are suddenly being offered lots of money and all sorts of funding and equipment and training and whatever else they need. Just come along. Just we'll, uh, let's let's do a big spectacular act of violence. Let's bomb this thing and bomb this bridge. And don't worry, no one will ever know. And then it turns out, oh, it was the feds who was enticing this person the entire time. Which again has happened over and over. Which basically defines the past at the very least few decades of such actions. It's always um, it's always a fed either involved in the plot or leading the plot along. So I think we have to be very wary of that. And why? It's because when you do turn violent and there are acts that can lead to spectacular damage or even loss of life, absolutely, the general public, and especially considering that will always be presented to the general public in the context of a uh, uh of the mainstream media narrative which will be parroting the establishment official narrative which will always be uh, you know look at these crazy anarchists they're going out and killing people again. So absolutely I do not advocate at all in any way and any shape or form at any time for violent acts to be perpetrated. I do not mean sabotage in that sense. But sabotage in that broader sense that we're talking about today of someone oops, lowering the fluoride levels in their water town supply against the wishes of the 50% plus one that vote in the rigged election, which is actually only the 5% of the population that bothers to turn up to some town plebiscite anyway. <laughs> I mean, those types of actions can be can be effective for periods of time. But l- let's put the denouement on that story of uh, Kendall Chamberlain, a worker who quietly lowered town's fluoride for years resigns. A town employee who quietly lowered the fluoride in a Vermont, com- Vermont community's drinking water for years has resigned and is asserting that the levels had actually been low for much longer than believed. <laughs> Richmond Water Superintendent Campbell Chamberlain disclosed in his five-page resignation letter submitted Monday that fluoride levels have not been in the state-recommended range for over a decade. Instead of nearly four years, as the state had recently disclosed, Chamberlain said in his letter, in language that at times echoes unfounded reports that have circulated online in recent years, that he doesn't think the current fluoridation policy is legally required or scientifically sound, and, in his opinion, poses unacceptable risks to public health. I cannot in good conscience be a party to this, he wrote. All right. Anyway, the story goes on from there, but long story short, of course, he has resigned. So, he didn't even get to keep that that position. Um but hey, it's even it's even worse than they originally believed. He'd been doing it for years. Now, um it's interesting to see the way this is covered in some of the press online. Um for example, Wong Ket delivers a very one cat style article on this anti-fluoride water superintendent just wanted to protect town's precious bodily fluids where of course in the snide tone they invoke stanley kubrick's um, interesting piece of media programming that's been embedded into the public that anyone who has concerns about fluoride is absolutely insane and concerned about their precious bodily fluids blah 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 and is probably going to start nuclear armageddon whatever um but as they as they point out in their article of this, well, while probably no one thinks about twice about who the hell is in charge of their water supply, this is one reason why it is important to keep track of what is going on in our local governments. We can laugh about the stupid stuff that people actually believe, but it's a lot less funny when the people who believe these things have the power to act on those beliefs without our consent or knowledge. And once again, just like Xi Jinping and every other authoritarian tyrant who wishes to inflict their will upon a general population, the great chink in that armor is you need that population to go along and to do the things that you tell them to do. You need them to comply and to do their job in the way that they've been told to do it and don't follow the rules and, hey, put in extra effort and enthusiasm and do overtime when we tell you and work hard for this agenda and we'll give you that little paycheck that little here's your cookie crumbs here's your reward for doing this this task for us and if you don't uh oh you're going you're going to have to resign but as one cat points out quite rightfully who who even knows who's in their local government who knows who's in these positions of actual great power and authority but they don't even you don't even know it you don't even think about it you just hey i'm just drinking the tap water Interesting. Well, of course that's another reason why you should probably filter your water, but at any rate, I think the grander point here today is that there are a lot of people who actually do have power in their hands and there are a lot of things to be said about this. So as always, there's a lot of resources for today's uh, edition of Solutions Watch available at the website that I would uh, suggest you avail yourselves of to think start thinking about this topic more deeply and how it may or may not apply to your own life. As always, this is the information I'm putting forward and make of it what you will. You are responsible adult human beings who can sort your way through this. I'm interested to hear your response to this. So as always, Corporate Report members are exhorted to log into the website and leave their thoughts on this at the post at corbettreport.com. But having said that, I'm James Corbett of CorbettReport.com, Looking forward to talking to you again in the near future.